Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Due diligence on Classic Business is brought to you by Deal Leaders International Leaders in mergers and acquisitions. And while there's no crystal ball for predicting how long U.S. inflation will stay above the U.S. Fed's uh, 2% target, consensus at the start of the year appears to be that rates will likely stay higher for a little longer than uh, had hoped. And uh, clearly that will have a direct and indirect impact on uh, primary private equity strategies uh, when it comes to buyout, when it comes to growth equity, secondaries and and fund of funds uh, with fewer firms able to absorb the cost of increased uh, debt. uh, The number of buyout transactions might decrease and uh, buyout managers that have depended on leverage. Uh, Certainly it's a big thing globally, not so much in South Africa. Uh, They may suffer losses in a higher rate, kind of slower growth environment. Uh, well, let's find out what uh, Vuyo Ntoy, who's a board chairperson at the South African Venture Capital and Private Equity Association, SAVCA, thinks about all of this ahead of their annual conference. Vuyo, great to have you on the show. Uh, I see your your outlook is rather more optimistic. Given the uh, ongoing economic challenges and the stagnation in South Africa in particular, how do you justify an optimistic outlook for private equity and VC this year? Well, I think it, uh, it it stems from, uh, uh, well, f- first of all, uh, thanks for uh, having me on the show. Um, I think I think it stems from two things. I think um, the sort of resilience we've seen in the sector stems from uh, continued investor interest. So uh, pension funds, uh, obviously, uh, with uh, the tailwinds provided by regulatory changes locally, are looking to uh, allocate more to the sector. And also, I think, you know, the fact that uh, uh, PE is multifaceted. It includes uh, energy funds. It includes uh, kind of fintech, etc. And uh, in some of these VC spaces, uh, the opportunity set is vast. So um, I think looking at the, at the sector more broadly, um, there are indeed uh, of, uh, strong tailwinds towards, uh, towards, towards growth. Obviously, we saw we've had a prolonged economic downturn um you know we've had the cost of living crisis and uh, we're facing various socioeconomic issues um but uh, i think the sector has uh, recovered well from the effects of covid and uh, south african private equity doesn't employ nearly the the kind of leverage that we see in other markets so it hasn't really been impacted that much by the interest rate hikes that we've seen. When you look at opportunities in sectors, and it's incredible how certain sectors are still showing um, very attractive multiples in terms of growth and expected returns. Payments as a subsector of fintech, for example, is, is one that is just, it's really resilient. I know um, you've got experience in infrastructure at, uh, at AIM. Do you see this as a continued hot sector for, for private equity? And what would you like to see? And there's a two-part question. We've got the finance minister announcing his budget next week. And I've been asking all of my guests to edify Enoch. What would you like to see from the finance minister to further support private sector investment in South African infrastructure? We so desperately need it. Yeah, I think, um, okay, first of all, (laughs) just in terms of the sectors that are hot at the moment, and I agree, uh, technology and fintech in particular is a hot theme, both internationally and domestically. I think uh, other sectors that uh, are seeing quite a bit of interest include uh, healthcare, 
um, consumer sectors, e-commerce and, yeah, and payments uh, platforms are, are also uh, quite, quite hot at the moment. Other sectors, though, uh, include uh, climate tech, uh, which, which is seeing quite a bit of interest uh, internationally, uh, and obviously infrastructure. I mean, uh, who will forget you know, the, the $30 billion that uh, Brookfield raised for their latest infrastructure fund late, lately. Um, I, more locally, though, I think, yeah, obviously technology uh, is, a, is, a, is a strong theme. Um, renewable energy investments, I mean, I think uh, up to 2001, we'd seen uh, close to uh, 209 billion rands of, uh, of, of private capital, both uh, debt and equity employed in, the, in local um, energy projects. But locally as well, I think uh, consumer goods um, firms and uh, industrials are seeing quite a, quite a bit of interest still. Um, maybe then just getting to uh, the minister and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and his speech, um, I think uh, uh, an area of uh, deep concern has been around tax legislation, particularly uh, the likes of Section 23M, where... Um, Obviously, shareholder loans are a very um, pivotal uh, part of how projects are, are financed, and uh, these have uh, previously been um, kind of had a, had a positive tax treatment for investors. And um, recent uh, changes to the tax legislation have meant that um, shareholder loans could um, lose their tax shield um, nature for underlying projects and. Uh, We'd very much love to see a, a relaxation on this front uh, to allow uh, private sector parties to take both equity and debt in projects. Um, in addition, I think um, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of focus on reinventing the wheel in terms of um, what needs to be done. I think more of what's worked previously is probably the message. So it's not a, it's not a not a detailed message to the minister. We're just saying, look at what's worked, uh, the likes of REAP, um, the likes of uh, the PPPs that were closed in the late 90s, early 2000s, as the model to follow. Um, obviously, um, historically, these have required significant government support in the form of guarantees, etc. Um, but I think uh, they're clever financing mechanisms which could reduce this obligation. Um, particularly involving the private sector taking more of a um, more risk on, on on patronage and 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 uh, and um, forecasting, um, but yeah, don't don't reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah. Do what's worked previously, and uh, you'll see uh, capital flow from the from the private sector, and do it at scale. Yeah. Um, uh, I think um, you know uh, one of the challenges has been the piecemeal nature of uh, projects we've seen com coming from government, and uh, this doesn't allow um, businesses to establish themselves in country. I think uh, the benefit of programs such as REAP, where you've got multiple rounds, uh, it's it's done at scale, is that you find international investors, local investors, actually happy to set up business and uh, pursue the various rounds of the projects that are available. And uh, this adds to uh, competition in the market and uh, ultimately uh, lower tariffs for end users.
I think those are some really fantastic insights as we help edify Enoch ahead of the budget. We thank you for those. And so critical uh, to your point, not to reinvent the wheel, to focus on what has worked and, and just to redouble our efforts on on speed, on urgency and, and scaling up that kind of impact. Um, and just at mining in Darba last week, there there was a mixed bag of reaction to the National Logistics Crisis Committee. There's been some good, uh, but still not uh, the requisite speed to have third party access to the general freight line, for example. These should be quick wins uh, and one can auction off slots with tenure for 10 years plus and give certainty to business to invest. We've seen how well the automotive industry development program has fed with long-term planning, with certain timelines and certainty over long time periods. And that really, you know, is what business is, is looking for. Coming back to uh, private equity in, in particular, um, it, I mean, if you look at uh, the, the amount of capital raised, uh, I was looking at the private equity survey for the Savka survey, for uh, 2022, um, and uh, the, the fundraising has been fairly muted of late, given that the valuations in South Africa are so attractive. We have seen deals where foreign acquirers inbound into South Africa see value. Do you expect that to turn, or is it still a confidence play when it comes to uh, raising funds? Yeah, I think, um, well, I, I think... Uh, you know, the big challenge for us as an industry association is really to get the level of allocation from um, from pension funds and other institutional investors higher. I think it's really that local underpin um, to allocations that will significantly move the dial for the industry. Um, if you look at uh, private markets allocations across the pension fund space in South Africa, I think you're looking at a number close to 2%, whereas the OCD average is closer to 8%. And uh, we believe that in kind of uh, uh, driving education, um, showing trustees why, uh, both from an investment perspective and uh, the benefits that uh, investing in private markets can have for your portfolio, and also the underlying impact on the economy, job creation, uh, infrastructure development, etc. It, it's really a, an option that uh, pension fund trustees should be looking at. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty confident that uh, the new legislation that allows uh, greater allocations to uh, PE going forward, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, greater allocations into the future. And uh, I'm quite confident that uh, um, the slump we saw in recent years will, will reverse mm. and uh, there'll be increased allocations towards the sector, especially given you know, where valuations are currently seat- sitting and uh, the mm. likelihood of outperformance by um, investors who get into the market now. I've always found that so curious, the, the fact that we haven't seen more institutional pension fund money flowing into the asset class. It, it, it's, and I was at Alex Forbes' event last week. You know, the asset consultants are advising trustees of pension funds about how critical ESG is 
not not just uh, because of the flavor of the month or, or anything like that, because their members are, you know, their members of the future are demanding investments that take these factors into consideration while not sacrificing returns either. And so when you look at impact, when you look at uh, private equity as an asset class, it doesn't suffer from cortitis. It has a longer term lens. You have the correct asset liability matching that goes on with the asset class. And yet still, um, the industry, and ever since I've been covering it, has really battled to get the institutional pension fund money to flow a little bit more freely into the asset class. Uh, how do we change that? Is it a communications game? Is it an education game with trustees? Because that does seem to be taking place more now than I have perhaps seen in the past. Yeah, I think um, you know. I think in in some ways the emphasis has moved away from trying to attract um, private um, or, or rather foreign money into the sector, and this is uh, in the past primarily been led by uh, development finance institutions uh, investing into uh, into local managers. I think the focus on uh, getting um, local pension fund money and institutional capital into the sector is more sustainable. And um, you know, there's a, there's an underallocation, so that's a, that's that's a that's an issue we need to resolve. I think yes, lots of lots of uh, concerted effort from all of us in the space to uh, to uh, educate, um, educate and partner with trustees to build trust. Because at the end of the day, I believe it's a it's it's about building trust. Um, I think there was a time when uh, the private equity industry was seen as these. Uh, um, corporate raiders um, um, and uh, you know very keen on uh, slashing jobs and uh, using high leverage to uh, to extract uh, um, massive returns for 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 themselves. Um, I think the the sector is uh, is, is is not like that. Uh, and uh, I mean I'm, I'm I'm an infrastructure investor, for instance, and our focus is on long-term investments that uh, that that um, kind of build the economy, um, attract users, connect communities, connect um, connect uh, businesses to their markets, etc. And um, across PE more generally, I think you find um, kind of very concentrated owners who um, are able to help the companies they invest in through uh, downturns, through um, through structuring, through through uh, engaged. Um, uh, participation in board decisions, etc., and uh, you know these are the sorts of uh, investors you need driving your economy. Yeah. Um, VC investors are focused on uh, providing uh, solutions where where none are there, um, and uh, and scaling these solutions. And uh, in times when you have uh, problems and where um, technology is is also kind of growing in leaps and bounds, it's critical that. You know these businesses that start out as SMMEs and uh, hopefully grow into uh, large corporates over time um, are are given um, the startup and growth capital that they require in order to uh, to provide the jobs and uh, and wealth creation that the country needs. Yeah, yeah, and and pay those taxes that we need as well. Such a pity that barbarians at the gate has had uh, such a lasting impact on how so many view. Uh, the asset class. I mean, we can have a whole debate around fees and two and 20 and that kind of thing. But I think the evidence, certainly the evidence that I've seen from Savka shows that uh, private equity strategies are not about asset stripping. They're about building, growing 
and exiting at multiples. And that requires partners on the board that are going to help you grow and, and scale and, and, and not diminish. And, and sadly, I think there is still that perception out there. Vuya, we're going to have to leave it there. A great pleasure getting your insights into the private equity and VC industry here on Classic Business. Take care. Thank you very much, Michael. Due diligence on Classic Business is brought to you by Deal Leaders, partnering with you for the next episode. Listen to Classic Business next Tuesday around 20 to 7, brought to you by Deal Leaders International. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.